Staying consistent is hard, but it's important if you want to see results. Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies right now, and they're one of the only brands that are committed to your health. They only use the cleanest and purest ingredients in their formulas. No seed oils, no preservatives, or toxins. Let me walk you through my morning routine. I wake up, make my coffee, and then make sure to fill my water with Symbiotica Pure Hydration before my early morning workout. They source the best ingredients from all around the world, and I've loved every supplement I've tried so far. What's even better is that Symbiotica makes it a breeze to stay on track. With a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. Ready to feel the results? Head over to Symbiotica.com and use code POD for 15% off your subscription order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra in on-trend hues like green, citron, and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and, and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24-7? Ooh. Yeah, but look so, at you. Yeah, right? But I'm here. So the advice that I give is and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877 877- Three five one zero three zero zero, and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring, well, The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. <laughs> this is Teddy Teapot with Teddy Mellencamp. Guys, I am so excited to get into another week. I have Jen Swalla joining me today. Hi. <laughs> and I mean, we are going to do your breakup. Should we call it Bible? Are I think breakup, it's a Bible. It's, it's the Bible. It's mm-hmm. all the things you need to know to either get through a breakup, move on. Find your voice. Whatever it is. Get I mean, divorced. <laughs> get, get divorced. <laughs> find somebody new. Um, I, I mean, I can only start. I didn't have a 
ton of breakups. I mean, I had high school breakups where it was like you did drive-bys, their ho- drive-by their houses, <laughs> and just to see if they were home. <laughs> is, is that stalking? I'm telling you, in the 90s, that was a thing. We've when, all done it. <laughs> um, but then, no, other than that, like, as an adult, I think I only had one serious boyfriend, and he ended up being my first husband. And the way I kind of healed from it was just meeting somebody else, I think. You know, I I I knew it was time for us to be done. Mm-hmm. Like, we broke up. I was sad because I missed him as a best friend. Was it mutual? It was, it was mutual. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't that. He didn't do anything to me. I didn't do anything to him. We just met too young, and we weren't in a place where we were wor- willing to work to grow together. Yes. And so there was no anger. So it was like, yes, the first Christmas was really sad because it was the first Christmas I had spent without him. Um, and then, you know, one day later, I met my husband out at a nightclub and had sex with him the first time. So, <laughs> so you know, I don't know that I'm the best at this, but I did some research and we're bringing professionals in. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's one way to get over it. You just move on. Yeah, I mean, the first couple of months, Edwin and I were very messy because both of us were kind of not in a place where you, you know, you think you're ready to be in a a committed relationship. So we weren't. And then it just, with time, you realize like, oh, I kind of like this person. I should probably make an effort. And it's not just a one night stand because now it's been six months and shoot, I I love this freaking guy, you know? (laughs) And when did you have the exclusivity conversation i think the first time oh well it was two big combos so he used to have a ponytail he hit it night one that it was disguised in a hat like down his shirt uh, oh it was like a hat. it was a hat like he had a beanie on and it, i didn't realize and then the next morning i woke up at like six to my alarm and i was like oh no, hell no this is a hard no for me i'm like you got to get out of here and he's like i'm like you have a ponytail this is a real situation he was like you didn't seem to mind last night and i was like no time for kind of sexual innuendo jokes either like let's zip through it um <laughs> But we we had a lot of fun together, and then what ended up happening, there was a wedding that we had gotten more serious, where we were seeing each other mm-hmm. a couple times a week, and I had a wedding I needed to take him to, and I was like, you need to cut your ponytail, and I need to know what to call you. But really, what ended up happening is it led us to much more serious conversations about how we both need to make the decision if we're ready to commit, and then also if I'm going to be meeting his daughter. And then, honestly, once I met his daughter everything changed. Oh. He no longer was the guy I met at the club. He was a dad and Isabella changed my life. I fell That's in love so with sweet. her and everything became more serious then because you know I was able to see the full picture and I was able to see our life together and I knew all of a sudden I did want children and that I wanted to be a part of Edwin's life and Isabella's life and I didn't want to be somebody that wasn't committing or wasn't having those conversations. That's beautiful. So I mean that was really how it was for us. It was once I got close with once I met his daughter then everything started shifting. We you know we had the conversation prior because before even meeting his daughter we wanted to have that conversation as well. So it was a wedding, his daughter, everything. <laughs> it's a lot. And you know, that's why when people say like, oh, it's it's gotta be right timing or mm-hmm. this has to happen, I just I don't necessarily believe that. I think if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And if you both really want it to make it work, you can. 
You can, but you both have to be in the space. Correct. And I don't, but I don't think there's any amount of games or anything like that that you're going to do that's going to make some guy more into you than he is. Oh, I agree. Get over another situation and. Or commit. Yeah, it's impossible. And when people are like, oh, maybe if I wait longer to text back, I'm like, absolutely not. They're either like you enough that they don't care when you text back or they don't. Exactly. We have Samantha Burns coming on from lovesuccessfully.com. And she is going to help us just truly with breakup tips. Samantha? Yeah. Hi, it's Teddy and Jen here. Hi. Hi, how's it going? We're good. We're good. We're excited to have you on. Thanks so much for inviting me. So we're just getting right to business. We we really just need to know if you're in the throes of like a terrible breakup, what are five things someone can do to move on and heal? And like, we can't get the, like, you need to take a bath. Uh, it's like someone told us that and we're all revved up about it. We need, we need real things. <laughs> real things you can do. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump in. The first thing you need to do is understand that the pain you're in is actually a physiological withdrawal from love. So what I mean by that is we know through neuroscience studies that when you fall in love, you become physically addicted to your partner, and it activates the same brain regions that you see in drugs, alcohol, gambling, different types of addiction. So when we go through a breakup and we can't communicate with our ex and we can't you know, get their physical affection and we don't spend time with them anymore, our body goes through withdrawals and our mind starts revving itself up looking for that next fix, that next high. And that's why we stalk our ex on social media. We drive by their apartment. Uh, we can't get them off of our mind. So if you can reframe your breakup pain, instead of it being the one that got away, turn it into This is just a physical process of how my body responds to falling out of love. That's cool. I actually, that's great advice. I'm a little at a loss of words right now. Okay. So that's, that's one way. What's, what's our next thing we need to do? So, of course, set healthy boundaries because your brain and body needs time and space to fall out of love. So you have to go around and set healthy boundaries, like removing them from social media, taking down old Mm. photos, taking their number out of your speed dial, basically removing any triggers. So people, places, things in your life that remind you of your ex. And I know that that can be really hard if you might work together or you share kids together, but as much as possible, minimize, minimize different triggers in your environment. And how do you do that if you see your ex with maybe a new partner? So we have to also face reality that our partner is, our ex, I should say, is going to be dating new people. And that can be really hard, um, which I think also ties into another tip, is that like your, your partner's inability to see your worth doesn't mean that you don't have any. So don't... Um, You should never have to convince or beg someone to be with you or love you. So when you see them with a new partner, kind of say, you know what? They weren't, they weren't my person. And if you do the work and, you know, I'm a breakup coach, I help people get from that place of, I just lost the love of my life to thank God I just dodged a bullet. So Mm -hmm. when you do the work, you're going to be like, oh, good riddance. Like that person can have them. Okay. I love that. Not bad, Samantha. Makes sense. 
All right, yeah. that's two. Now we're moving on to number three. Oh, goodness. Let's see. Put me on the spot. I think um, Take a something bath. you can do is avoid what I call the Franken-boyfriend effect. So the Franken-boyfriend is when you start dating again. So many people make the mistake of trying to find a new partner who has all of the qualities that you adored and cherished about your ex mixed with all of the things that they were lacking. And you're trying to create this mythical Franken-boyfriend of a human being, and that just keeps you stuck looking backwards instead of really reopening your heart um, to someone new who has different qualities and attributes and interests. Does that go the same as, like, uh, I have a type. This is my type. I'm only looking for this type. Is that the same? And how do you get out of that pattern? So that's the million-dollar question. I actually tackle that in Breaking Up and Bouncing Back. That has more to do, so yes, we are attracted to certain physical types and features, but that has more to do with your attachment style. So when we talk about attachment style, what that is is your level of comfort with intimacy and closeness in a relationship. And what we see over and over again is typically if you're someone who really desperately wants love and affection, you also tend to be someone who maybe is afraid of being rejected, who is afraid that your partner is going to leave you. You might be afraid that they won't like the version of you once they get to know the real you. And we tend to attract people who their issue is they are uncomfortable with closeness and intimacy, and they tend to sabotage relationships by they're basically like the bad boy or the game player. So they have what's called an avoidant attachment style, and they don't like their freedom being encroached upon. So they basically, if you think of Sex in the City, um, Carrie and Big were that perfect example of she was anxious, he was avoidant, and they went around and around in these cycles. So when we talk about a type, it's really ultimately like, are we attracting people who are going to hurt us, leave us, who aren't truly emotionally available? And we tend to repeat <laughs> those patterns until we feel some of our more longstanding childhood wounds or wounds from past relationships. Okay, so nine times out of ten, it's something in your past that you just haven't worked through that's just yeah. drawing you to this person over and over and over again. Yes, and that person can come in different passages, right? They can look like different people. They can have different jobs. But ultimately, like, that core wound keeps getting tapped into over and over again. Okay, so what about in the form of a cheater? Mm. And it's not someone you're dating. It's somebody you're married to. Um how how do you come to, or you have kids even together, how do you come to terms with leaving that person or will they actually change or what is it in us that makes us want to stay? Yeah, so that's such an in-depth question. Um, that, I always tell people when I work through with couples through infidelity, I say there's no shame in leaving and there's no shame in staying. And it's such an individualized decision. Um, like you said, taking into account kids and history and finances, there's so much. But ultimately, um, we need to be in relationships that honor our worth. And usually when we have low self-esteem or we don't think we're worthy of love and commitment um, or, you know, we have these past wounds that keep getting activated, we kind of start settling and we start putting up with less than we deserve. And then when I see people sticking it out too long in relationships, it's because they've invested time and energy and love and commitment and finances and they almost feel like it's a 
failure if they were to leave. And what I always emphasize is there's no failures in relationships. If you and and also for the longevity of which you're with someone, you don't get like an award if you're in a miserable marriage for 20 years <laughs> right. um, versus. If you call it off with someone after a year, after a great relationship, that you ultimately realize they're not your person. Because we can love someone, um, but it doesn't mean that they're our best match. So in the case of infidelity, I mean, of course, always go work with a professional to sort through it. One thing I see sometimes, you know, couples, I've worked with couples who come out stronger on the other side of an affair or infidelity, but there has to be commitment to strengthening the relationship there has to be remorse there has to be accountability um, and there has to be change so if your partner who's straying is not willing to put in the work then you need to walk away um before you invest even more emotional energy and time and you also have to be able to look in the mirror and say how have i potentially contributed to relationship dissatisfaction that doesn't excuse or pardon their behavior right for cheating or straying but you have to be able to look at yourself and say where can i take responsibility for this and then also just taking it a little bit to the side a a lot of what i've realized in my life and i've seen throughout is i've had either friends or maybe it's a brother or sister or whomever it is that's in a bad relationship you're watching it happen. They're kind of quiet about it. Every once in a while, you'll get a piece of like, this is happening. I want to get out of it. I don't know how. What is your best way to be a supportive friend and help mm-hmm. that person without them then closing off? Because sometimes I'm a little bit of a know-it-all, so I like will over-talk. i be like, come on, you know. He's a total narcissist. He's not coming home at night. It's obvious what he's doing. Mm-hmm. you know. And that's not necessarily the most helpful way to be a friend. So right. h- how do you think you can help build your friend up, but also you're still in your lane? I know. That, that is such a delicate balance. Um, so I think empathy is always is always an important like communication skill and just human skill in general. So when your friend expresses concerns or you can see they're in pain, first is making an empathetic, non-judgmental comment. Like, I can see you're really hurt or, hey, I've noticed you seem really stressed lately. What's going on? Or, you know, gosh, I would feel really upset too in that situation. So first, just to get them to soften by showing empathy. And once they're feeling like hurt or understood, then maybe um, I wouldn't necessarily give your opinion unless they're asked or you say, hey, do you want my thoughts on this or, or how can I support you? Um, and at the end of the day, you can, you know, plant little seeds like, hey, I noticed that you seem really unhappy or dissatisfied in your marriage lately. Are you okay or what's going on? Kind of asking open-ended questions so, like, they can take you where they want to go. But the worst thing ever is, like, if you point out something to them and they're not ready to hear it, they're just going to get defensive and pull away from you, even though you're trying to point out what a jerk their partner is. Makes sense. Uh, what about the friend that just never stops talking about the breakup five years later, six years later, ten years later? Yeah. So, so you get them a copy of my book. You have them come into my coaching program, and they need to realize like that they need some serious help because I've had people come to me who are in, like, no joke, 20-year miserable marriages, and they're, like, finally taking the process of getting divorced. Or they put their ex on this pedestal, and they have these rose-colored glasses. And all of that is just so painful, like, being stuck and ruminating and obsessing. And that's where I see people waste the most amount of time. And actually, too, to talk to that point, there is actual 
stages of breakup grief that we go through, similar to when we grieve a death of someone. So, you know, if you've ever talked to a widow or something who's still grieving a death for a long time, we, we get stuck in those same stages. So we go through shock and denial, anger, bargaining, and anxiety. So bargaining to make it work, making, like, promises that you'll go to therapy or that you'll change. Um, anxiety, I added anxiety into the stages of grief because I think that's where we do ruminate and obsess over this breakup, and we kind of um, have difficulty letting go. And eventually we go through depression and finally acceptance. And the problem is it doesn't always go in a linear fashion. So we can bounce around from the stages, which is one day maybe we feel like we're finally getting over it, but then we bump into our ex with their new partner, and it kind of sends us back into those earlier stages of anger or depression. Um, so it can be a grueling process to get over a breakup. And there's no set amount of time. And there's no set amount of time. I always say, like, you know, everyone grieves in a different way. But for me, it's like if you're not seeing them progress through the stages and have more signs of acceptance. So to me, acceptance means, you know, you might not be happy about the outcome of the relationship ended, but you're at a more contented place. You're at peace with what's happened. And you also have optimism about your own future dating life and reopening your heart. So if they're just stuck more in that anger and grief, like that's when I would say, you know, it's more than a few weeks. It's probably more than a few months even. But by that year point, if they are making no effort to take care of themselves, to let go, they're harboring anger, um, they're really depressed and having difficulty even like getting out of bed or going to work or they're abusing drugs and alcohol, that's the time to say, hey, it sounds like maybe you could use some professional support yeah that's true and then my last question i know that i'm keeping you longer than i should but i have so many questions but <laughs> what about when it comes to loneliness or the fear of loneliness i feel like so many people don't end up breaking up or ending a bad relationship because they just don't want to be alone and they don't really have a network of friends or whatever because right. they've kept so far just inside of this dysfunctional relationship that they don't really have anyone left. Right. So there's this really interesting uh, psychological research that found that when we don't know the outcome of like making a big change or taking a risk, if we can't guarantee ourselves that the outcome is going to be better, so we're in a grumpy horrible relationship and we don't know for a fact that we're going to meet prince charming and live happily ever after we actually don't make change and it's really hard so that's why you see so many people stuck in these lousy dead-end relationships um and so loneliness it's kind of for them it's going to be about learning to strengthen their sense of self and rediscover their identity. And so in a big breakup, we often feel really lost, or even in a toxic relationship, we feel like we've lost ourselves. And so the breakup process and beginning to date again is all about rediscovering yourself, working towards goals and hobbies and interests, like creating your own fulfilling life. That means making new friends, investing time into yourself. Um, I think over time in an unhealthy relationship, our like self-esteem gets chipped away. And so we don't think we're worthy or deserving of something better, or we don't even know how bad it's gotten. So when you do have the courage to end a relationship where you're not happy, then this whole time, this kind of transitional time into getting ready to date again is all about investing in yourself. So we know the common theme, you have to take care of yourself. 
In order to oh, move wait. on from yep. any relationship or feel your best, you have to invest in yourself. Self-care. Self-care. So Totally. And self-care, like that is an act of love and like respect and value mm-hmm. to yourself every day. And so many people, you know, especially in my industry with dating and breakups, the term like self-love gets tossed around. And I just like to debunk the myth. Like, we don't love ourselves 100% of the time every single day. It's the same way that you create happiness. Well, you create self-love by doing these little acts of self-care, whether it is, um, you know, making new friends or going to the gym or eating healthy, like whatever it is that's respecting yourself, your body, your mind, meditating. Um, it's, a, it's a daily practice. So I just like to, I think people think like, oh, I love myself today, so therefore I will love myself tomorrow. And that's a myth. It's like a daily intentional act well i love it i, I think I, think I love I, myself today I, you know what <laughs> i'm not writing it down right here uh no thank you so much uh, so many great tips for our listeners and you know for even us yeah. so we appreciate it thank you thanks for having me bye bye-bye staying consistent is hard but it's important if you want to see results Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies right now, and they're one of the only brands that are committed to your health. They only use the cleanest and purest ingredients in their formulas. No seed oils, no preservatives or toxins. They source the best ingredients from all around the world, and I've loved every supplement I've tried so far. Let me walk you through my morning routine. I wake up, make my coffee, and then make sure to fill my water with Symbiotica Pure Hydration before my early morning workout. I started my wellness journey with Symbiotica because I was tired of having no energy and I wanted better gut health. I love Symbiotica's probiotics and I know you will too. Their supplements are super easy to take on the go and travel with. Having supplements that don't taste like chalk or artificial ingredients makes me look forward to taking it every day. With a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. You don't have to worry about running out. You can also modify or freeze your subscription whenever you want. Ready to fill the results? Head over to symbiotica.com and use code POD for 15% off your subscription order. You like to watch the new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. Don't miss the new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set on the Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Do you want $0 delivery fees? Try Dash Pass by DoorDash. You won't regret it. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, groceries from across town, or anything in between, Dash Pass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. 
Get more from delivery for less with Dash Pass, $0 delivery fees, and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for Dash Pass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. For the love, there is nothing worse than shaving your legs. It takes so much time out of your day and you may cut yourself by accident. A total game changer to my beauty routine is Nair. That is right, the OG hair removal. Not only do I love my Nair, my daughter Slate does as well. My mom used to let me Nair when I was her age, but it was not the best smell back then. But now, Nair smells so dang good. Nair will save so much time, and the best part is no nicks, no cuts, and you will have smooth skin for days. You have to make sure to check out Nair's new sensational shower creams and body creams. Like I said, they all smell amazing. My favorite shower cream is the Moroccan Argan Oil and Orange Blossom. The scent creates the ultimate pampering experience. I also recommend the Nourishing Oat Milk and Vanilla Body Cream. I swear the scent lasts on your body for hours. Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated Nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. So now we're back and I originally was um, turned on to Catherine because a friend of mine has read your book and she is following all of the steps. (laughs) And so like the journal with... What do I love to do? What comes naturally to me? What do I feel passionate about? She was telling me about these things and I was like, okay, now I need to really dig into these breakups. We have so many questions. I figured maybe first you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to start on this. Well, who else would make it their life's mission to have healthy, happy love than someone who had a uh, decades of unhealthy, unhappy <laughs> love. <laughs> I mean, that's really where I started. I think, um, you know, we have some, uh, most of us have some relational traumas in our youth, and that causes us difficulty as we get older. In my situation, I had a, a, a my mother was pregnant at 18, and this is in the 50s, so you definitely got married if you were pregnant. And uh, they had kind of a disastrous marriage, a disastrous divorce, you know, a lot of upheaval, a lot of anger and hostility that kind of festered around for a lot of years. And uh, and so consequently, I was kind of a poster child for unconscious uncoupling <laughs> for what happens <laughs> in a nasty divorce to the kids. And I really struggled. I had like addiction issues. I had self-esteem issues. I was incredibly codependent. I had um, insecure attachment. I was totally love avoidant. I wanted love. It was like the central drama of my life. But anybody who got too close, I pushed them away as quickly as I could. Like I was just, you know, kind of a, a, a messed up girl. And, and that fortunately led me into therapy and into transformational work and into meditation and spiritual work. And I basically made it my full time job to work on myself for years. I was also a singer, songwriter and 
and and mostly a waitress for many years <laughs> while I did all this. And um, and then one foot in front of the other. I'm just somebody who kind of when I work it out, I, I like to share it with people and uh, somehow became a therapist uh, in the process. It was a very organic process. And when I was in my early 40s, after all of these kind of disastrous love relationships where my main pattern was unavailable people, because when I lost connection with my dad, it was because he went to his wife. So I always had like this married men thing because I was going to get the guy back, right? So I had, you know, any kind of impossible love I was in. But when I was in my 40s, I, I really was learning about transformation and metaphysical principles. And I created a miracle just by standing for a future that wasn't predictable and organ organizing, like, who would I need to be to fulfill in that future? And I ended up uh, connecting with this beautiful man who I dated six years earlier, who I thought of for years as the one that got away <laughs> in this very magical way. And we got married and had baby, my first baby, my only baby at the age of 43. Wow. And then I thought, well, I know a lot of other people are struggling and suffering. So what did I just do to create this? And that's what became then calling in the one seven weeks to attract the love of your life. Mm. And then it went and then I wrote a book about it and became a national bestseller and I started teaching. And then I had thousands of students from all over the world and I had this, you know, an online course and I have a coach training and I'm known throughout the world for you know, helping people to manifest a miracle, particularly those who had a really tough time in love. And then 10 years in, my husband and I got divorced. <laughs> no! <laughs> I had a little PR problem. <laughs> That's great. I didn't think you were going there. I'm so good. Oh, wow. So, so, so then, but, but the saving grace is we did it really well because we both had come from families where the parents were divorced and we both had had that parental alienation thing. Mm -hmm. I lost connection with my father. He lost connection with his mother. So we made a decision to just figure out what it looks like to be a happy post-divorce family so that our daughter could have a happy childhood. And that's what we did. And that then became conscious uncoupling, which then Gwyneth Paltrow heard mm -hmm. of and kicked into the lexicon. So in a perfect world, I think you do conscious uncoupling before calling in the one so that you're free and clear and you're not bringing baggage into a relationship. <laughs> that's but, a really good but idea. I am, but then I, when I was ready after, you know, a few years after that, then I, I decided to recouple and I, I recently called in the next one. So I'm very happily partnered again. I mean, the way you phrase it is absolutely amazing I to me. It. Like, I just called him in, waited. Yep. Well, meanwhile, I'm like, I had, you know, six vodka sodas at a nightclub. <laughs> That's how I, I called him right in. Yeah. <laughs> that was my call, my, uh, my dating call. Um, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So I, anyway, I, I and and of course, I'm a psychotherapist now. So, I mean, the work is actually quite deep when you really mm -hmm. stop to think, like, how are we getting in our own way? It, it's quite deep and it's quite profound. And the reason I love to look at it like that is because I think we feel so powerless if we've had toxic patterns. Like, you know, if you want to go get a medical degree, you kind of know I need to get these scores. I need to go to school for this mm -hmm. many years. Like, it's a pretty clear path. But if you want to say, I want to create true love and all you've ever had is kind of messed up love and you come from this really screwed up fat background... And there's even maybe a normal kind of screwed up background, but you still have problems 
it, it, you feel kind of hopeless about it. So the key to accessing power is to really take profound personal responsibility for how we are the source of our patterns. And it doesn't occur like that. It occurs like men are like this, women are like this, dating sites are like this, there's no good men in my city, there's no, you know, it just... It, it really likes a lot of reasons external to us. But if you really say, okay, you know, I'm the through line of all of the patterns. And I so think. So it's almost like you're taking accountability for anything that's yeah, happened for in the your accountability life. Mm-hmm. Yourself. That's right. It's internal accountability to live consistent according to the future you're standing for. So even if you've gotten into multiple bad relationships, instead of saying it's because he was a narcissist or he's a cheater or this and that, it's you taking in what it is that you've put out there and why you continue to attract these men. Yeah, and so I like to say, because especially in a breakup, like people are so (laughs) filled with, there's, you know, and probably the other person did behave badly, you know, if you're filled with a feeling like of having been victimized. But I like to say, even if it's 97% the other person's fault, the gold is in your 3%. Because you have to be able to trust yourself to never do this again. So that kind of brings me to a question that, you know, if you are in a pattern where you're consistently going after a married man or a married woman or you're okay being cheated on repeatedly or these things, like what are what are ways that you can stop that pattern? Well, a lot of us are doing our work you know, we're looking backwards, which is good. You know, what happened in my childhood? Who did it happen with? Mm-hmm. Where did it happen? You know, we're all kind of steeped in that world. But I think the fastest track to change something that's been a habitual pattern that's given you pain is to start with the future. Okay. Right? So you actually say, look, I'm going to set an intention. And this is what I did when I was in my early 40s. I was with a group of people. We were all like supporting each other to set intentions. One person doubled their income. Another person bought a house for the first time. And I had just had like another crash and burn with some man I thought was available who wasn't. And so I was so, I was in so much pain that I called up a friend and I said, okay, I know this is crazy, but I'm going to, I'm going to just set an intention to be engaged by my 40th, 42nd birthday. And that was eight months away. And I had no prospects for a husband, (laughs) let alone a great one. And I'd been trying to find the one for like two decades by then. But she said something that really changed my life because she said, Catherine, I'm going to hold that intention with you if you give me permission to hold you accountable to being the woman you would need to be in order Mm. for that to happen. So all the changes you need to actually make. And it shifted my focus immediately. Like So I wasn't running out to find love. I really was going within. I was connecting with my intuition. I was taking personal responsibility, but not like a psychological issue. I think the key to all of transformation is getting out of victimization and taking personal responsibility. And sometimes when we do our work, we're looking backwards. We're kind of like, well, my mother did this to me and my brother did that. So we're kind of looking at it from a victimized perspective. So what we have to do is to say, yes, that happened. And what did I make it mean about me? And how have I been living out inside of that, that worldview in a way that keeps perpetuating it? Like, how am I showing up and relating to people in a way that's communicating that I'm not valuable or that's communicating that I'm invisible and I'm somehow their needs matter more than mine? 
Like we Mm -hmm. have to actually see, because when you can really see the specifics of how you're showing up in that way, that's keeping that story alive, that's when you get to make a different choice and you get to actually say, no, I, I need to, I need to let that go. Like maybe that was something I did when I was 12, a decision I made. And then I've been trying to keep myself safe. Like I'm 12 and I have no skills, but I'm an adult woman now. I know how to keep myself safe. I can learn some skills that I didn't have back then. And we take responsibility for like growing ourselves in a way that would allow health and happiness and love to finally happen for us. So I have a question, though. I mean, a lot of our listeners wrote in and said, you know, I've been married for, you know, seven years. My husband's cheated on me two times. You know, how many times do I forgive him? Or, you know, my husband and I are great, but then uh, sometimes I feel like maybe he is emotionally abusing me because of some of the words he says, and then I feel like I lash out. Like, there's people in unhealthy marriages that don't really know when it's time to say goodbye. Well, a lot of people, by the way, who are in marriages and are committed to staying in marriages actually do the conscious uncoupling process that I created because there's there's some missing development that would allow the the relationships to actually realize their potential for greater happiness. Can you explain that to me in a, in a easier so way? For example, <laughs> so for example, just to even know your own filters, right? Okay. So if you have a if you have like a wounding in your past where you had like a narcissistic mother, let's say. So you always have this feeling like I'm not good enough and always have to prove myself. So you're, you, and then how you're showing up in the relationship is kind of, you're always looking for approval. You're always looking for validation or you're always doing something to try and earn the other person's love. And, and anytime they do something, let's say they do something horrible, they cheat. The filter you have is see, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. That becomes evidence for that filter. So you're not actually dealing with it from an adult center. You're kind of this wounded eight-year-old again who's who's kind of now stuck with more evidence that somehow you're not good enough and you know now you're compiling evidence. So I think what the conscious uncoupling process does, what calling in the one, I mean, basically all of my work is to really unpack how we are showing up in a way that almost pulls on people to kind of validate the old story and that when we're in that story, we're centered in that story emotionally because most of us tend to believe everything we feel. Mm -hmm. So if you're kind of triggered into that experience again, you're literally kind of showing up trying to repair from an eight-year-old center as opposed to a more adult center, which is very grounded in your value Mm -hmm. and maybe very grounded in the value of your marriage. And so you might end up fighting for that marriage, but something is going to change in the dynamic between you and your partner. And you're, and you can, you can't change it from the eight year old. You can change it Mm. from the adult center. So by setting new boundaries and yes, but see, I like to work on a consciousness level first because it's not behavioral. What I'm talking about ends up out picturing on a behavioral level, but we all know like, you know, sometimes the communication skills class, you mm-hmm. take all that stuff or you learn how to speak with I statements and they still don't work. And you're still kind of left with the residue of, you know, being humiliated or mistreated in that relationship. Do you think that right? if somebody is in a situation where they're humiliating you or they're any of those types of things that they can change? Yeah. And the only way it's going to change is if you see your role in it. 
And that's why I start with the person, not because I think the person is to quote unquote blame. Can, I give, a, can I give a weird example? Yeah. This is just what came into my mind. So I have a guy friend, let's say, who I, we communicate differently. I need a lot of communication. He needs like minimal communication. <laughs> but I'm really trying to say like, hey, just hit me back if you're busy. So I know you're busy and then I won't worry about it. So the other day I had sent a text and called and he hit back and said, can't talk. I'm really busy today. And my initial reaction was like, "Ugh, yuck. Like, why is he writing that? And I was all kind of eh, about it. And then I took a minute and realized, like, that's all about me. He's doing exactly what I sort of wanted him to. <laughs> and now it's landing on me weird because I feel like, oh, he's too busy for me. Like, I just twisted right. it up again. So I took a beat and was like, oh, he's being cool. Yeah. It's like we internalize everything mm -hmm. no matter what. Right. We like, do. You can't win. Well, you can if you wake yourself up. Like we all have certain defaults. I've actually been unpacking for over a decade now what I call like the 21 most salient core beliefs. And that becomes the filter. And here's the thing about core beliefs. If you have like an I'm alone, for example, Inside of the energetic of that, which is, i.e., the emotions of that, like loneliness, you feel kind of separate from people, you feel like you're on the outside looking in, that nobody really cares about you, that everyone's always going to leave you, so you have anxiety. Like, you know, beliefs are not in the mind. They're actually in the body, like an emotional default place. So when you're centered there, what you might do when somebody disappoints you is kind of put up a wall and do a preemptive strike of just kind of energetically pushing them away. Totally. I've been having mm -hmm. a conversation in my head for about two months now that has not happened like in this attempt to prepare myself for what could happen. And I finally was like, I'm done with that. Like, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. I love that you're so self-aware. This is so cool because what you want to do, <laughs> At least I have that. well, but so, so you're like in the middle of the birth canal, but you know, you have this yeah. filter yeah. and that you're interpreting a certain way that almost sets people up and sets that situation up. Cause if you energetically, the other guy couldn't win. Cause I was already. Yeah. Like, that's it. So you're it's, already it setting is it on up me, to fail. right? So I finally said, like, I'm not gonna, like, try and have this conversation in my head. I just all right. So pretend. let me give you a trick about it. Let me give you a trick. When you notice that, and maybe it's an invisibility, maybe it's an aloneness, maybe it's a feeling of not being good enough, maybe it's not feeling wanted by anyone. So you're always kind of anticipating people don't like you and they're going to reject you. You have to take a deep breath and ask yourself, how old am I here? Mm. Mm. It's a younger part of you. Something happened. It was either like an acute crisis or it was what we call a developmental crisis where you never really got what you needed over a long period of time. But you have to then extend love to that part of you and say, sweetheart, let me tell you what's really true about this idea that you're not loved or you're not wanted or you're all alone. And then you start with, you know, if it's I'm alone, you say, I'm right here with you. You're not alone. I'm here. I love you. We're together, right? You're kind of befriending that wounded part of yourself. But then there's a whole different set of skills that you might not know. So your way of dealing with conflict is number one, to avoid it because God forbid any conflict happen because that's the beginning of the end if you have that cluster of beliefs. But you also might then put up a wall and push people away energetically 
which gives them the signal they should leave now, which then fulfills on your, mm-hmm. you know, your worldview. Um, but what you need to do is learn like something that is maybe completely foreign to you, which is when there's a breakdown, you pick up the phone, you say, hey, I really care about you. Our relationship matters to me. I'm noticing that I'm feeling kind of disconnected and a little out of the loop mm-hmm. with you. And I wonder if we could talk about it because I, I want to make sure that we're good. Uh, it's so interesting that you say that because um, I would say the hardest time in, that I've had in my marriage was after I had my my kids. We had you know two two kids, and I remember this moment of feeling really alone mm-hmm. and feeling like lost. You know, I, I was no longer going to a job every day that was telling me I was doing a good job or yeah. I was no longer, you know, seeing the same type of, you know, I, I, I did a competitive sport was my job. So like a first place told me you did good. You know, a sixth place told me work harder, you know, whatever yeah. it was. And so after I had the kids, I really became silent. And then I would look to my husband to validate me when he got home. Right. And if he had a stressful day at work. Or if something was going on and he didn't have a certain reaction to something that I said, like the kids and I did blah, blah. I would immediately go to this deep, dark place of like, oh, we're failing. This is terrible. This is the world, you know, whatever it is. And it wasn't until I like made a shift in myself and changed my life that had nothing to do with him that then I felt comfortable to even say to him like, hey, Ed can you tell me if you've had like a bad day at work or mm-hmm. something's happened? So I don't take it personally when you come home, if you're a little quiet Wow. and he was like, you took it personally. And I'd be like, yeah, like if I come, mm-hmm. if you come home and I'm asking you questions and you're kind of short with me, I assume you're mad at me. And he's like, what? Why would you think that there would be nothing for me to be mad at you about? But it was all of this pressure I was putting on myself every single night that I would de- base my mood on whatever his mood was and how he was validating me. So it really became like, but once I asked him, like that was such a simple, like he was like, for sure. I can send you a text on the way home and be like, great day. Can't wait to see you. Or I can be like, gnarly day. Should we zone out and watch a movie? You know, like whatever it was. How do we all get strong enough so that we don't make everything about us? Yeah. What is that? What is that? And also, why the dark place? Like, why do I always go negative? So if I'm making crap up, why can't I make a positive crap instead of like negative crap? Like, he hates me. He's not going to text me back. I suck. Why not just be like, I'm hot. He's going to text me back. And if he doesn't, it's because his loss. He's busy. Whatever. Like, why do I make up the bad. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that we default to, uh, an old place inside of us. It's like a wounded identity. It's, it's an untrue false identity. And we're at, cause we're, you know, when we were children, like two, three, four, like our whole job was to create a sense of who am I and what's possible between myself and other people. And we solidified that as the years went on, because inside of making those decisions, we actually never learned certain ways of showing up that would give us evidence to the contrary. So an example is like if you have a narcissistic mother, you might 
uh, just, you know, just assume that nobody cares about your feelings and needs and that it's even dangerous to be seen because it could make someone angry. And so you never learn how to negotiate for your needs with anyone. You, you just it, keep disappearing yourself. And do you think your past prior relationships kind of feed into it too? Like a lot of people ask me, you know, like, why do I feel like when I, when somebody breaks up with me, they're lying about their reason? Like, why do people need to lie about the reason? Like, a lot of the time, a, a man's reason would be, you know, I'm just not in this place yet. I'm really focusing on my career. I'm doing this or doing what. <laughs> We're like, nine times out of ten, it's probably a lie, and they're just not that yeah. into you. Right. But what's the bother? Why not just say, like, listen, I think you're great, but, like, I'm not feeling a connection. Wouldn't that be easier for us all to process? Why, yeah. why do people yeah. want to lie? Yeah. Well, um, boy, that's a whole... That's a whole gnarly knot, isn't it? I mean, I think it's just polite what you're talking about. And frankly, I think if somebody's already chosen to leave, mm -hmm. to tell the truth is to then open the door to further engagement. Right. So in a way, they're kind of done with you. I mean, that's where I came in and Jem was talking like right. I was done when I said goodbye. I was like done because and, and probably I don't know how you said goodbye. And it sounds like a long relationship. So it was obviously more than, you know, I'm into <laughs> other things now. But um, but I think that if people are done, they're done. If they've been processing individually or they've been trying to work it out and the other person isn't meeting them at some point, they're ready to move on. And then they just kind of want to tie it up with a bow and not do any more damage. And do you think if they're, because after that breakup happens and the person ends it, the other person tends to always want to have those additional calls because there's oh. something else they think that needs to be said. Do you think those calls help? Do you think there's no, a no, not really, because because the impulse is to go from soulmate to soul hate and like a, ne a positive bond to a negative bond. You know, nature's designed us to bond either way. Nature will take a negative bond over. If you think, you know, hatred is not the opposite of love. Hatred is very engaged and high energy and a lot of investment, a lot of energy it going into that. more energy. Oh, yeah. it's so much energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, indifference is actually the, the opposite of like love. Like T. Swift says... <laughs> Don't you know that Taylor Swift song? I'm like, which one? <laughs> which, yeah, which one? I um, what is it called, you guys? The one that says, uh, "I forgot you existed." No, oh. Oh. it's not love. It's not hate. It's just indifference. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's what we're that talking about. Swifty mm -hmm. is a wise. Yeah, I mean, sometimes gal. conscious uncoupling. You know, a lot of times when pe when people saw Gwyneth and Chris. They thought, oh, conscious uncoupling is staying mm -hmm. really good friends with your former partner. It's not. It's about being empowered and free. So sometimes it's right. going to be you're not talking to the other person. But there is a difference but between. sometimes can you talk? Oh, yeah, of okay. course. And especially if you have children, right. you, you, you know, if you have a shared community. And talk and communicate. I only communicate with my ex about our son. But I see other I have friends who are divorced, who have kids, and there's no communication. There's a lot of screaming and name calling and oh. they text, they can't even talk. Oh. But you it's... know, he's he has a gate opener to my house so that he's able to, you know, drop stuff off or pick stuff up or, you know, it's very it's we're not friends, but friendly. We're 
friend Lee. Your You're friend getting Lee. it done. Or him. You're well, as right. long as there's no festering resentment between you, because if there is unresolved mm-hmm. resentment, the children do feel it, even right. when we're on the surface friendly. And I will say that part of why I wrote Conscious Uncoupling is, look, I'm a big advocate of marriage and long-term relationships, but... You know, people break up in relationships end. When Happily Ever After was created, the lifespan was less than 40 years of age and nobody was mobile. So, <laughs> right. like, you know, the, we live in a very different universe than, mm-hmm. than when that was created. And we need to up level, you know, how we're doing things. So there's a way consciously to separate. But, you know, you have you have these children and if if you are going back and forth and kind of shuffling between two different families you're always asking your children to be in a state of loss because they're losing one family to join right. another family. Mm-hmm. So even if you're quote unquote friendly, that's why I mean in in conscious uncoupling we have this idea of expanded family. We expand our family. So in, I still have a family with my former husband, I call him my husband. <laughs> <laughs> my husband and I, and he's now his girlfriend, and now my sweetheart, and we all spend holidays together still. You know, I'm not sure how long we'll do that because we just sent my kid to college, so we're kind of winding that stage down, mm-hmm. and now I'm free to go to Italy for the holidays or something. Yeah. But, but we really work to have one. More, you know, and and look, I I don't know. I'm almost like a hippie with it because my my he, he had been married before and he has another daughter, and so uh, they would come to our home. I invited them to our home for the holidays so that our daughters could have a relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, my daughter was six, and she said, you know, can my sister's mother be my godmother because I want to have the same mother as my sister? So I said, okay. So like, we're like really, <laughs> see, but here's coming from divorced parents, mm-hmm. like I. Once they were divorced, I didn't really want that. So I'm confused, like, because I I knew that when I was with my dad, I was with my dad. And when I was with my mom, I was with my mom. If there was an event, and even if they were getting along, I felt unneeded pressure. Because I wanted to make sure everything was going to be good and smooth Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So I wonder, like, yes, but yes, it is such a great thing to be able to all be together and do that. But, like, kids, we're smart. Right. And like, we can feel any mm -hmm. little thing. But that's what I'm saying. That's what conscious uncoupling actually clears the field. You're not, but don't you think, but can't you think you're cleared and you're not cleared? I, 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 it's, it's not just an instruction to clear the field. Like I literally tell people what to do to complete and to clear it. Is, is no one and in I the th- room freaking out that you invented conscious uncoupling? <laughs> and then, oh, I, and then I didn't Kinda realize me. that until <laughs> now. And like yeah. Gwyneth made that so famous that I actually was like Googled who invented conscious uncoupling <laughs> to make sure that you weren't wrong. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, it's so, so Gwyneth got that. From you. She actually got it from Habib Sadehi, mm-hmm. who got it from me. No. That's how wow. that happened. Habib hey. was a fan of mine, and he followed my work, he and his wife, Dr. Sammy. And they followed my work, and they were fans. And they We are in the presence of greatness. I know. Know. Which is why no. I really need to understand but it. I feel like if you believe in conscious uncoupling, then it isn't that weird that I'm friends with exes. No. Praise, like, no. but hold you, on, people hold are on. telling you you're wrong. I, well, I, yeah. I have a question. Okay, so, but, and I still want to address what you said about your parents. In regards to con- conscious uncoupling, is there a need to be friends with your exes if you don't have children together? 
No, that's what I'm saying. There's no. <laughs> but it's just about being complete with them and not having baggage. But I don't a like angst, so but I don't like knowing there's someone in the world that I loved that I have like, but not some kind of angstiness. Not, so I work it out. I just work right, but that work. Out. Working it out and saying I'm okay with this person and still being friends with them are two totally different mm -hmm. things, in my opinion. So, 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 what is what is disturbing you about that? No, I'm saying, well, okay, let's say that Thank Amy you, were Catherine. to get married tomorrow to somebody else, mm -hmm. and she's good friends with all of her exes, eating dinner together, like all of those right. things. To me, is that going to bother? Her husband. Her, her husband. I think it's slightly disrespectful who, to her new well, husband. Well, we don't, we'll ask him. Like, but it, I'm saying if it were me and I was friends with, example, right. who cares? I was, I was married before. We didn't have a nasty breakup. We were friends. It was not a problem for Edwin. Um, but then when my ex got with his new girlfriend, now wife, she was like, you know what? We could kind of, that could be, you know, nipped in the bud. You guys don't need to be pals. <laughs> and you know what? I was like. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right because it is some sort of little crutch holding on to mm -hmm. one another because of something you used to have. It doesn't mean you like that per that you are in love with that person anymore, but having that kind of connection with somebody that you used to either be married to or have sex with to me is a little touchy to yes. the new partner. Yeah. Yeah. Which it could be and you have to take that into account. So you all did the right thing because you honored her. However, I think conscious uncoupling is neutral on what one chooses to do. Conscious uncoupling is really about being free. It's about learning your lessons, going deeper, taking personal responsibility, mm -hmm. graduating yes. from old patterns. Because when I don't do it, all I do is just hold on to that. I'm just holding on to the relationship where I didn't consciously uncouple. And it just causes me pain or angst or I think I love them or in my brain, I'm talking about it all the time. It's like when I do it right, yeah, it's freeing. You're free. You're yeah. just free of it. And then, of course, it's a choice and you have to. And I think conscious uncoupling is always the other thing is that we honor the whole community. We don't honor just um, we don't honor just the, the two people who are breaking up in a conscious uncoupling because relation because relationships belong to the community, to the children, to the school, to the neighborhood, to the extended family, your cousins and your aunts. And, you know, there's a lot of other people who have invested in that relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's about everyone being well and happy. And that would, of course, include a new partner and being respectful of what that person can handle and what they're needing. I guess where I'm struggling is I almost feel like it's unfair to go into a serious relationship with somebody else and be like, listen, you're also taking on my ex-husband. <laughs> And we're going to, ha we have dinner every Wednesday night because and that's our thing. And we are, you know, that's who, are you cool with it? I mean, anybody's going to be like, oh, well, well I think cool what needs it. to happen in that situation is that there needs to be an effort for the, for the former. Like if you had, if she had, if she had reached out to me and said, what should I do, Catherine? I would have said, uh, call Teddy and invite her to lunch. Mm-hmm. And you create your own relationship yeah. with Teddy. And some people are cool yeah. with it. I'm, I'm, the world not, is that's small. Too much work. I'm not. It's, no. The world is small. Sometimes, like, I date somebody that's friends with somebody I dated before, and I'm not going to make it weird. We're all friends. It's all good. My circle is a tad small. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. What? So when you got divorced? Yes. Was it ten? It was ten years ago. Correct. When did I get divorced? In uh, 2011. In this book, 
conscious uncoupling came out of that divorce. Yes. So did you test it on that divorce? I did. You I did. did. Yeah, and yeah. then you wrote about it. Yeah. And it so worked. it happened after your divorce. You wrote, I wrote this the book after, after my divorce. Yeah. But it was your process. Well, that- it was my process informed by the many bad breakups I've had because okay. I wasn't doubled over in pain, but I have had breakups where like half the hair on my head fell out because I was in so much grief and mm. I started smoking again and I didn't eat for a year. So what do you do when you're in that much pain yes. and grief? That's and, what we need to know. And another add on to that. What is the difference between heartbreak and depression? Ooh. Yes. Wow. Ooh. Good Ooh. question. Okay. Which one do we want to go to first? Heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? Oh, to we like that question. Survive that pain of heartbreak where I'm in the shower and I say to myself, this is excruciating. Well, look at depression is actually, if you look at the, the stages of grief, depression is, um, uh, uh, is a step down the road towards recovery from the initial angst of heartbreak because depression means you're kind of inching your way towards acceptance of this is what's so and you feel depressed because you're not fighting it anymore but you know you have the the five stages of grief you have denial this can't be happening you have anger how dare he you know do this to me you have uh, bargaining maybe if I had you know maybe if I lose 10 pounds or maybe if I you know do this or that or let's go to counseling you know now we're in the bargaining you start to get depressed you're like oh this is really happening and right? then, but in those moments what if you have the urge of like maybe I should get back with him well, you probably will. And so what I do is I, I kind of unpack in con- the book, Conscious Uncoupling, I unpack what's happening in our biology mm. because love, you know, love withdrawal, it, it, it simulates drug withdrawal in our brains, in our bodies. Nature has hardwired us to stay connected. We are not born to break up so that, you know, uh, Lou Casalino, Dr. Lou Casalino will talk about how the brain is actually a social organ. So we regulate our body functions with each other. We regulate our emotions with each other. It's that phenomenon of when somebody is hurting you and they're, they're, they're breaking your heart, they're withdrawing and then, and you're in so much pain and then they call you and you hear their voice and your whole body comes down like, oh, finally, right? But this is the person hurting you. So, so, so we regulate each other. And so what happens in a breakup is we are deregulated. We are in a relational trauma, which which uh, Judith Herman from the Harvard Medical School will say is one of the worst traumas we can ever go through. Um, and, you know, the rejection that we're feeling maybe is simulating uh, the, it's 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 hitting all the pain centers in the brain. So the brain is experiencing it almost as physical pain. Lately, doctors have been prescribing aspirin for heartbreak because of this wow. so we're really you know out but, of would control. that work does aspirin yeah work? It, it's shown to, to what about advil help. or tylenol i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'll write to harvard i'll this podcast is now aspirin gives you a stomach ache like this I week's podcast brought to you by aspirin <laughs> I can't really stomach aspirin, so but I love me so much. Oh, okay, okay, good. You're well, gonna I have an ulcer work. by I think the next work time for I you, get Amy. here. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. But so this is the person who is like here, like being left mostly, because the person who's leaving has had time to build an identity outside the relationship. Is pretty acclimated. By the time they finally put their foot down, they've. You know, they've, they've, Mm -hmm. they're, they're on to the next thing already internally. So it's the person who's being left that's this traumatized, even if 
they've been told over and over again, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to be leaving. Right. They somehow didn't think it was going to happen. And so they're the ones that, you know, this particular step one is for, and that is when you're kind of wildly out of control. And that's when you want to pour bleach on all his good suits and you want to like key his car. (laughs) I don't have that. So (laughs) if you were to follow all these steps, you could do it in seven weeks. Well, that, now that's calling in the one. Okay. So there's two books, right? Oh, but then how conscious do, uncoupling and calling in the one. How long does it take to conscious uncouple? It depends on the person. It depends on the situation. I mean, I because like I have these friends that yeah. will like break up, and I have been hearing about this breakup for three years <laughs> or five oh, years. Yeah, or, they, you know, and you yeah. you for a while you're empathetic mm-hmm. and you're like, listen, I feel you. I'm there. You know, and then you get to the point where you're like, if I hear Jonathan's name one more time. I'm going to call Jonathan myself, have him change his phone number. You know, like I Googled it extensively and it said there's lots of different ones, but one said 11 weeks. And I sort of settled in on that one. That <laughs> I don't know 11 that. weeks felt like, okay, all right. I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm in the camp that this could go on for years. You know, I, mm-hmm. I mean, my look, my mother has been divorced from her third husband for uh, about 35 years. Oh, and a couple of years ago, he was still taking her to court saying she owed him more money. So, so if you, oh, okay. that's the family I come if, from. If you are. The- if, if you are the friend that has the friend that's been talking about mm-hmm. the same breakup for multiple years and you it's at this point, what is a good thing to do as a friend to that person? You, you would buy her the book and you'd say, look, you, you really need to complete this. Like, how do we actually get complete when something has been that unfair? For somebody who can't right. buy the book, somebody that's listening right now, what is a good first step? Buy well, it six bucks. I just ordered it while we've been sitting yeah, here. It's six dollars. Six bucks on Amazon right now. But it's, Kindle. Yeah. Kindle. Okay, Kindle. There you go. But but I actually have a whole free starter kit on consciousuncoupling.com forward slash starter kit. People can do that for free. And I and I take people through the five steps and I have audios and people can listen to the audios. But there's there's a process that people need to go through to really come out the other side of it wiser, stronger, more capable of loving. I feel mm-hmm. sort of good listening to you. Do you have private practice? I do, <laughs> although it's narrow because I mostly train coaches. But oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I have a whole body of coaches that I train. So if somebody can't get over a breakup, the same way I'm just talking about three years, blah, blah. What do you think is actually going on? Is that they're still angry or Well, so they might they might be creating a negative bond as a replacement for the positive bond. That's that soulmate to soul hate phenomenon. And um, as I said, nature hates, you know, is kind of structured so that we stay together and in in nature's universe better a hate bond than no bond at all. So it's understanding the cost and the consequences of that, you know, resentment is as hard on the body as if we were smoking a half a pack of cigarettes a day, studies show. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons. Certainly if you have children, if you ever hope to be in another happy relationship, we don't want to be taking that baggage in. Um, if you are, you know, the, if you have children and you're, and you're, and you're in the process of separating, you want to start to 
to, to do the work immediately because you're in the midst of trauma and crisis and every action you take, every choice you make are creating consequences that you and your children are probably going to be living with for the rest of your lives or at least for the next decade or so. Do you still believe in marriage? I do. You do? I Why? do. Well, because I believe the container of all in commitment is mm-hmm. is beautiful and healing and and um, a container for growth. I think it's the highest and the best. It creates a lot of safety. What do you think about this one? I have a friend who said he's not getting divorced because his kids are begging him not to. Aww. They're eight or seven or five or something like that. It's yeah. like, Aww. well, I think so. It's a new frame, you know, well, we're going to design our family like this. I mean, truthfully, in a conscious uncoupling, in a way, you still decide to stay a family. So the, the kids are saying, no, don't don't let me come from a broken home. I don't want my home to be broken. And conscious uncoupling started from this inquiry, like, could you actually have a divorce where you don't break the family, where you expand the family, you accommodate Mm -hmm. the new relationship that the parents want to create, and you evolve the family into a different place. But a lot of the times, these divorces are stemming from you're married to a narcissist or you're married to an addict. So how do you consciously uncouple from one of those? Right. That's beautiful. So I, and I deal a lot with that. People come to me when they've had, you know, really a tremendous amount of pain from narcissists. So this is that 97.3 analogy. Because usually that 3% is a pretty um, helpful piece to look at about how someone has been sourcing their value from giving, how they haven't presenced themselves, how they source safety from disappearing themselves and focusing on another person. So what you say is this is your grand opportunity to graduate forever so that you really could actually be capable of creating a relationship where somebody sees you, somebody hears you, you see them, there's mutuality, there's maturity. But you're still having to be with that person. That well, if has you have no. children. Yeah, that's right? what I'm saying. Conscious if you have children. Th- th- those well, are the people mainly asking. Okay, so you have to be responsible. You know, we all have karma. We all make decisions and those decisions generate things. And then we have to be responsible for the decisions we make. If you marry a narcissist, you probably saw some of the red flags and did it anyway. And there are consequences to that. So, you know, you make the best of it. But one of the things I teach in conscious uncoupling also is how to de-escalate someone's rage because if you're mm-hmm. breaking up from a narcissist they're going to have a lot of rage it's called narcissistic rage How do you de-escalate because i just do the i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry you're right you're right you're right well and that's so dumb no it it's not dumb you could probably do it even more effectively but you have really good instincts amy you you have really really good instincts um on how to you know if you have children you want to be able to kind of salvage the good and build on that. So you might do something like, wow, I, 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 wow, you're really angry. You kind of mirror their feelings back to them. Wow, you're really angry. Can you tell me more about that? Because, and then you're generative. I really want us to understand each other so that this doesn't happen again and we can... You know, we can do you this co-parenting right. thing. So you're almost yeah. feeding them. You feed, you feed them. them. I always, a little yeah. narcissistic supply Diffuse here and there. the narcissist. <laughs> you feed the narcissist. You feed the beast yeah, to get you what do. you want. You kind of do. And you do it sweetly. And and you keep your eye on what's but most then, important, but which then is your children. But then isn't the narcissist, then they... Don't they get even more confused and then dig in even deeper? Like then, no, they you re- can diffuse them. You can. Yeah. They're they're pretty. Once you kind of catch it, they're they're a little easy to manage. I feel like anyone play. dealing with 
all of this. You have to be so strong well, in your core. This is what I was going to say. What you do, you need to do the internal work to get them out of the power position. Because if you've been with a narcissist, it means you've given your power away to that person. Right. So the first three steps of conscious uncoupling are all about you. Mm -hmm. They're not about go in there and do this with them. You have to, you know, number one, get a handle on your emotions. That's find emotional freedom is the first step. Number two is reclaim your power and your life. And believe it or not, it's about taking responsibility for your 3% so that you start knowing the amends to make Mm -hmm. yourself. So someone for a narcissist, one of the mechanisms is, you know, I always gave in. I never presenced myself. And so the amends to self is you need to presence yourself everywhere with everyone. You call what your sister, it, you tell your boss what you're really feeling, you tell your neighbor what, if, what you're really what feeling. What about if it's a needy. cheater or someone that's, you know, uh, mentally abusing you? Well, again, I'm not letting them off the hook for their crappy behavior, but if somebody comes to me because they're suffering from the t- from the horror of going through that experience, yeah. the best thing, the best medicine I can t- I can give to them is how have you been lying to yourself mm-hmm. to stay in this relationship? Yeah. What parts of your knowing have you been cutting off and throwing under the bus to try and salvage something and here? And it does feel better even if you stand up a little bit and you have to be like strong and you do it and then you don't back down because I have that sort of weird thing like where I stand up for myself we hang up and then it's like I need to call back I need to call back I need Mm -hmm. to go back in again and something and then you go nope I'm good yeah wow that's great. Well, <laughs> well, so, this is only so 45 it, so, years later so and I do the, it once in a blue moon. But. Well, so so we're talking, so which, it's almost like which self are you sourcing the relationship from? Are you going to source yourself from the I'm, you know, not good enough self? You're going to be in that conversation from the I don't matter self? Or are you going to be in the conversation from I matter, my feelings and needs matter, they matter to the me, Oprah they should self. matter to others. The yeah, oh, you're Oprah, 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 Oprah self. You oh, that's so cool. My queen. <laughs> I am so different in my current relationship than I was in the 17 year marriage wow. because I over communicate. I don't want to say I over communicate, but I'm a pretty calm person. I really don't raise my voice, but I I am I'm forced. I had to force myself to communicate my needs or if something was bothering me or if something triggered me. And he appreciates that. Yeah, because I think he it, doesn't have to guess. The guesswork, taking out the guesswork, has been game changer in my mm-hmm. marriage. Because we all want to assume the worst. All well, I do. I want to assume the worst. Right. And I actually, that's something I do with my kids now too. Oh wow! And it's really helped us because you know when they were first born, they were my a hundred percent. It was us <laughs> all the time, a hundred percent. And then things started changing. Where like. I started developing all in. I created a big business. I have 48 women that work with me. I went on a television show, like life really shifted. So I started kind of setting their expectations and being like, hey guys, tomorrow is like a crazy work day for me. I don't want you to think that I'm not paying attention to you. Mm -hmm. I love you. I care about you. It's going to be crazy. But then guess what? Friday, it's us. You know, but just like then they're not acting out because they're not feeling like they're getting a certain level of attention. And you realize, wow, it really just that took two seconds and like really meant something right. for them and me. And then I took the guilt off me and they feel secure. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're good. We're mm-hmm. good. But it's crazy that like why we avoid doing something that could make all of our lives easier. I know. 
Yeah. Beautiful. And on the same same topic, when when you are finally deciding to whether uh, you know unconscious unconscious when you decide to consciously, un- consciously <laughs> we're doing it consciously, Teddy. When you're doing it we consciously, doing. how do you get over being so upset that it's over? Um, I think we've all had those moments. I know I have, and it's really about uh, making meaning of the breakup in equal or greater measure than the pain you're in. So for example, you're going to say, I can't believe I messed this relationship up or I lost the opportunity of this relationship. And I really get the cost of when I behave in this way. When I give my power away to somebody, I really get the cost of when I show up out of my insecurity or, you know, whatever it is. And that will never happen again. That's just what you said. It yep. will never yeah. happen again. <laughs> I, from this moment forward, I will be a different woman and I will show up different. So you kind of have to make that level of dramatic meaning. And I, I don't have a, I can't parallel this with a breakup for me, but for me, I've always struggled um, with with weight and I would, you know, with past food things. And I used to tell myself for many years, this will never happen again. And then it would happen again. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> right. I, I was thinking, I, I will never do this again until um, in and, the and next t- guy comes yeah, along and I do until the exact I do same this thing. next fad mm-hmm. diet and then I do this next binge and then I do this next, you know, whatever I'm doing to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, now I've created the reason it's shifted is because I've created kind of like a tribe of people to help me continue so holding myself accountable so that's what my business is done yeah, of course but before that i you know i'd say i'd never do it again and then i'd be like well you know i had a bad day so i'm doing it again here we go <laughs> but i think what you're saying is the key i think that we need to be together in these things mm-hmm. i don't think that any of us can change in isolation and and you know i'm a therapist so i get to pick my profession apart a little bit that's one of the reasons i don't really just do private practice even though i know that's very valuable is because i love working with groups because i think groups is where Mm -hmm. it's at and uh and now what i'm doing is something called the true you awakening and i have uh workshops and classes in the true you awakening so that we can really challenge the old beliefs and the identity we've been living out of stand in the deeper truth of who we are, start to show up like that. And, you know, you know, in any and all areas. So food, food would be one of them, health and body image. And what's my identity in my body. So what did you think? This is just a total sidebar, but I've just had to ask. Okay. (laughs) When everybody was sort of like conscious uncoupling, like, and it feels like it was on Saturday night live, like, did you like that? It, I think it was on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. People sent it to me. And like, I actually loved it. it. No, no, no. I loved it. It was, you know, it was one of those things because I, I just shared about how broken my upbringing was and how my parents, you know, had animosity for years mm-hmm. and how messed up I was. To have gone to a place where I would create something because that, that, that would kind of go global and change the conversation. Yeah. It was extraordinary. Yeah. It was really extraordinary. It was almost like, you know, it was almost like hitting a home run and the ball like went out of the park. It was it was a really exhilarating thing. So even when people were doing it with humor and stuff, it didn't really bother me because there was an equal measure people who were saying, oh, a new paradigm of, of, of divorce just got created, right. like how we could do this differently. We just got $6 from me, girl, so <laughs> don't you worry about that. And, and I just 
just opened up the questions onto my Instagram, and one of them that just came in that I thought was interesting is, how do you get over someone when you truly believe they're the one? Oh, that's a really great question. So what I say about that is they are the one at that level of your development. Mm -hmm. And if that is so, then you better grow yourself healthier and stronger so that you literally outgrow that person. You become a better version of yourself. That makes sense. Yep. Wow. That's why you have to keep growing together. If you, yeah. you, you get married young. I try to just say the universe is going to sort this all out. Oh, that's sweet. Well, <laughs> but maybe, but that, but I don't know if it's helpful to that person because she wants the universe to sort it out the way she, she wants right. it. Well, she, right. But I feel like and, if the universe is going to sort it out, it'll all come back around and it'll all oh, be yeah, okay. Oh yeah, that's where I was going. It does I'll, take faith. It's we were, true. We were, you, earlier you had talked about that you were in a relationship and then six years later that ended up being your husband. For those people that continue to go back to an ex or something like that, how do you know if it's the right thing versus the wrong? Thing. Well, I mean, in that situation, I was the one who was messing it up, right? Because in my scenario, there was always somebody who was unavailable. And most of the time it was them, but this time it happened to be me. <laughs> so he was actually very trustworthy and solid. And I just created a lot of drama. Um, but I think that that's an excellent question. And, um, you know, you have to really know what it is you're standing for having. Now we're in calling in the one, right? Like what what are you really creating and what are you standing for having? If somebody is telling you that they're different, that they're going to show up differently, you have to really get, like you have to really ask them, like what's different and what, how do you see this different and why is this different for you now? And then you give it time to see if indeed it is different. I, I like second chances, but you have to go in with your eyes open and don't have it be a yes, you know, a yes, let's be together again. It's more like a, a period of time so that you maybe date them and date other people. Maybe you're not in too deep. Maybe you're getting to see them over time to see what's different. And, and you, you rebuild trust if trust has been breached. And uh, another question that keeps coming up is you're with somebody. It's not a good situation. And then all of a sudden you threaten to leave or you actually do. And now they're begging for you back. They're saying, I'm going to change. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to yeah. do this. I'm going to do anything just to be with you because I can't imagine my life without you. But they're telling you all the right things. Yeah. What What then? Yeah. I mean, look, we're all, we're all believers in change. We wouldn't have this conversation if we didn't believe that we were capable of positive change. But I like to get very specific with people. And, you know, the, 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 for me... It's always about how much personal responsibility does someone take and not and personal responsibility isn't like, well, I am the way that I am because my dad was like that with my mom and I can't help it. That's not person that might be some insight, but there's no personal responsibility. Personal responsibility might look like, yeah, I become a bully when I don't get what I want. And it's been cruel and it's been unkind and I have no business treating anyone like that. And I promise you that I will no longer do that anymore. And I will actually, I'm going to learn how to communicate my needs in a much more healthy way. And then there's action. So, but in the times that somebody does say those things or they don't say the right things, but they still are like, I want you back. I want you back. And then nine times out of 10, they get you back and then 
nothing really changes over time. Right. What is the need in the person that's doing the begging to get you back? Is that just because loss or Well, that's losing, what I was talking or? about before, about how we're hardwired to stay together. So, so there's this, even there's this thing in the brain that happens when we're rejected, where instead of like the sensible thing that the brain would kind of lessen investment in that person, what happens in the brains is that we're flooded with hormones that are similar to when we first fell in love. So it, desire actually increases. So people do run after, people do hurl themselves at the person leaving. Like that's just what the brain and the biology is, wow. is making them do. So, um, you know, when you're in that situation, when you're leaving, you know, you have to take responsibility for who you were being in the relationship that had it not work and look at your part of it and then, you know, bring the course correct. Like, you know, well, I've I've been a doormat and somehow I've been sourcing my self-esteem from giving. And the truth is, is that I get my value and I don't need to source my self-esteem from giving over giving anymore. And I'm not going to over function and have you under function. So, you know, if, if you want to, to get me back, you need to really unpack this, you know, your, your self-absorption or, you know, and it's, it, so it's both people actually would need to change. It's not just the other person. It's that 3%. I just, right. it really stuck with me when you said that, that even though it's 97% them, it's all about your 3%. And even if that 3% is just tolerating crap. Stop tolerating crap. Yeah. I mean, I can say this all. Well, in a year, you'll be back and I'll be. <laughs> I dated another unavailable guy. <laughs> no, don't create that future. We're creating a new future We're today, creating Amy. a new future for you, Amy. <laughs> I love narcissists. <laughs> well, they are kind of fun. I mean, they are the life They're of the party. They are. Charming They're and handsome. They're so charming and handsome and sexy. Mm -hmm. But I think I think when we, when we really start to love ourselves, in those places in that 3% area, you, you actually lose interest. Like people say to me, what's the healthy response to a narcissist? I say disinterest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, uh, leaving it on that positive yes. note, uh, thank you so much for coming and helping us today. Uh, I, thank you for I having so me. I'm so excited that oh people God, get to I hear know, from you. Oh my God, I know, you're epic. I know, <laughs> this is you. I know, it's so awesome. I just only had that book and started reading just the first part that tells your story and I'm like, is this my biography? Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Staying consistent is hard, but it's important if you want to see results. Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies right now. And they're one of the only brands that are committed to your health. They only use the cleanest and purest ingredients in their formulas. No seed oils, no preservatives or toxins. They source the best ingredients from all around the world. And I've loved every supplement I've tried so far. Let me walk you through my morning routine. I wake up, make my coffee, and then make sure to fill my water with Symbiotica Pure Hydration before my early morning workout. I started my wellness journey with Symbiotica because I was tired of having no energy and I wanted better gut health. I love Symbiotica's probiotics and I know you will too. Their supplements are super easy to take on the go and travel with. Having supplements that don't taste like chalk or artificial ingredients makes me look forward to taking it every day. With a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. You don't have to worry about running out. You can also modify or freeze your subscription whenever you want. Ready to feel the results? Head over to symbiotica.com and use code POD for 15% off your subscription order.
You like to watch the new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. Don't miss the new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. Season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set on the Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Do you want $0 delivery fees? Try Dash Pass by DoorDash. You won't regret it. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, groceries from across town, or anything in between, Dash Pass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. Get more from delivery for less with Dash Pass, $0 delivery fees, and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for Dash Pass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. For the love, there is nothing worse than shaving your legs. It takes so much time out of your day and you may cut yourself by accident. A total game changer to my beauty routine is Nair. That is right, the OG hair removal. Not only do I love my Nair, my daughter Slate does as well. My mom used to let me Nair when I was her age, but it was not the best smell back then. But now, Nair smells so dang good. Nair will save so much time, and the best part is no nicks, no cuts, and you will have smooth skin for days. You have to make sure to check out Nair's new sensational shower creams and body creams. Like I said, they all smell amazing. My favorite shower cream is the Moroccan Argan Oil and Orange Blossom. The scent creates the ultimate pampering experience. I also recommend the Nourishing Oat Milk and Vanilla Body Cream. I swear the scent lasts on your body for hours. Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated Nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. You got to give me a little backstory on your oh. recent D. On my recent divorce. So I was married for almost uh, 17. I was married for 17 years. What? Yeah. I thought you were going to say 17 months. Oh, no. 17 years I was very young um and I continued to grow as a person and um he sort of just stayed you know into he was still the 25 year old right and I had grown so I had known for a long time 
and there were issues that we had through throughout the years. Um, and we never, we were really connected for a couple of years. But after that, I just, I kept growing. When you got, when you started feeling that you were disconnecting, mm-hmm. were you guys continuing to work on it or you were just like out of sight, out of mind? So it's so crazy because I'm also a psychologist. So I used every tool I had in my toolbox over the years to try and help make him grow. But I couldn't, I couldn't You can't make somebody change. You can't, he didn't want to. He was comfortable. And probably Mm -hmm. the more that you wanted him to, the more he dug his heels in and said no way. And it was just, we just, what I realized (laughs) was that we were just fundamentally different people. Yeah. How we walk through life, how we treated people, um, our philosophies, everything. There was the the one time that I decided this was probably about 14 years ago. I was working for a major daytime talk show and I had clocked in 118 hours that week. <laughs> I had taken one shower. I hadn't I had been home for maybe three hours. I survived on Diet Coke and cigarettes. I lost 12 pounds that week, best dad on the planet. <laughs> I got home that Friday, and uh, the first thing he said to me was, you know, if you don't make yourself more available to me, then I'm going to have to go outside of the marriage to satisfy myself. And I was so tired that I was just like, okay. And I went upstairs and went to sleep because I just, I had nothing left. You had nothing left. left I was like, I hadn't eaten in seven days. I, you know, was filled with Diet Coke and nicotine and I had no sleep. And I was just like, all right, do it. I mean, I didn't say do it, but I was was just sort of like, I don't have time for this right now. If that's what you need. But then is that what he did? I, yeah, I, you know. I think, I think so. I can also, that's when I knew though. I knew, but I could not find my voice. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to admit a lot of stuff that at one point made me feel weak, but now it makes me feel really strong. So, um, you know, I can fast, I, I did not look at a bank account in 17 years wow i didn't even know the passwords and and you were the you were the one bringing home the money he was bringing home he worked in the medical field so he was doing really well but never never knew anything (laughs) so that was part of my fear of you know like i'm gonna have to like, oh my God, this out. I don't even know how to how to do this. So it took me a long time to find my voice. And, and it's probably confusing since I have a seven-year-old with him, right? But I kept working at it because I kept thinking, I have to make this work. My mom and dad are divorced. There must be a way to make this work. I'm just going to continue, continue, continue. Every day is a new day, just, you know. Um, and then... About two years before I was pregnant, 
I was stand- we had just gotten home from a party and I'm not the kind of person who snoops through phones. Like I just don't do that. Yeah. But his phone was charging on the counter and a text came in from one of the nurses that he worked with and it said, Oh, don't worry, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, Ooh, okay. I was so disconnected though, it didn't even like you didn't even cry in that moment or no. didn't get upset. <clears throat> so I didn't say anything. You didn't? No. And I stayed up all night going, okay, how do I get out of it? How do I just say, leave, go, go away. And I I was still scared. I couldn't find my voice. So I just kept working and working and working and getting up every day and going out with friends. And we didn't really do anything together. I was going to say, were you at this point, were you guys still going on dates? Were you still having sex? Were you still like, no. Mm-mm. You were roommates. Right. So then, cut to, I mean, it was, it was so, cra- by then, now I'm what, 37 or 38, and we're at this huge party in Mount Olympus. Oh. <laughs> pool party where there's a tiger, and it was insane. <laughs> tiger in a cage, <laughs> pool party, it was crazy. We, everybody drank way too much tequila. We end up going home. I end up pregnant two weeks later. Wow. Which is a gift, by the way, because my son is like my heart. Then I was just focused on that, right? Just focused on him, having him. We get him home and my ex did nothing like to take care of him. Never, you know, never woke up once, never... He even took three weeks paternity leave, did nothing. Like wasn't there to support you, wasn't there to support your son, nothing. No, at one time I had, a, I had, had a C-section and it was like we were home for three days and he was like, I really need a job. And it was like, you should really go get one. <laughs> I was like, because I have staples all the way across my stomach. <laughs> like, go away. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, so... It went on for three years that he did nothing, nothing. And I was working. I went back to work when he was five months old. So, and you, had, so you had somebody come in full time to help because he was A nanny during the day. Yeah. But she left by four and then it was me all night. And um, even on the weekends, he may have taken him to the park three times in three years. He, I do have to say he is a way better dad now because yeah. he has to be. Yeah. So my son was about three and I was suffocating. Like I was just like, I was like, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to die. Like you just felt numb. Everywhere. Oh, I was just, I mean, I was dying. Like I just couldn't breathe. I couldn't even stand. It got to the point that. I couldn't even stand to hear his footprints. It was like, it would just send me into, I wouldn't say anything, but I, I would, I just had so much anxiety. Like, like almost making you sick. Yeah. I would feel physically ill. And my, one of my friends, I only told one person <laughs> and this friend kept saying, I just have to keep practicing with you. Like you need to say, hey, can you pass the sugar? I want a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was like, I, I, I can't. Like, I can't. It was always something. It was like, oh, no, it's his birthday. Oh, no, it's our anniversary. Oh, no, it's Thanksgiving. Oh, no, it's Christmas. Now it's New Year's. Now it's Valentine's. I mean, it was always, oh, now my sister's getting married, so I don't want to steal the thunder, yeah. you know. I mean, it was always something. So finally, it's like a week after Valentine's, Rocco was about three and a half, and I just, I couldn't take it one more second. And I think it was a, a work night, too. I just said... I was like, so, uh, I'm totally done. I'm out. (laughs) And we can go to therapy. I'm happy to. I had already called a psychologist and I had told her what was going on over the phone. And I was like, therapist to therapist, you know, I've, you know, I was telling her the story and I would, and I said, I would like for us to come in. And so you know, we can talk to you. He agreed to do that. By the end of that session, she looked at him and she said, you, you guys are on such different planes. Yeah. You know, it's um, that you have to go see somebody for a while. And, you know, and I'll continue to work with Jen, but she's done a lot of her work yeah. over the years. And so I was like, all right, here we go, the waiting game. And then we, um, so he kept going, kept going, kept going. And then one- Was he going? He was going. But then about two months into it, I mean, I had made up my mind. I was out. Two months into it, he comes home and he says, you know, you need to come to therapy with me next time because I can't figure it out and you need to figure it out for me. And I was like, no, I'm not doing your work for you. I said, this is why it won't work. This is why we can't, like, I, I can't. I, I didn't want my, I, you know, I told him, I don't want my son growing up thinking that this is the way a relationship is. No communication, n- you know, nobody, you know, loving no, or no talking loving, no. or going out to eat and having conversation. Um, it was just... I just didn't want it. Why do you think he didn't leave? Because so complacent. And I was easy. You never, say, you never made it say, hard for him. No. He would say, I want to go to Vegas with all the guys. All right. Go. And did you, you know, say that because you didn't want to put up a fight or you just didn't care? I just didn't care. So then that was it. You know, we went to the therapy. It wasn't working. And he left for 10 months and went to a different state and came back twice. And then he moved back here. And while we were going through all of the legal, we went to a mediator. And the deal was he pays nothing at all. I do everything. So he pays no child support. He pays nothing. Doesn't even buy, he buys nothing for him. I buy him out of the house. And he agreed to all that. And then at the very end, he said, 
He looked at the mediator and he said, I want my last name back. <laughs> As if you've been like dying to keep it. <laughs> oh, well, your entire bu- your entire my career. entire entertainment career. Oh, I didn't even think about that portion of it because normally that it doesn't play into it. Right. He just wanted to stick it to you every single yes. way he could. Yes. So. We have so many mutual friends from a different state and he has completely poisoned a lot of them because he tells them, oh my gosh, I pay for all the camps. I pay her child support. Um, She doesn't let me see him. You know, he takes them every Wednesday, every other weekend, um, whenever he wants, really. But he doesn't ask for any more than that. But he he got off like scot-free. Nothing. So I do everything. Even if he's going to be late on one of the nights that he has him, I still have to pay the nanny. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, this goes back to even what we were talking about last week when it comes to narcissism. Mm-hmm. And when you are... Married to a narcissist and you have children with one, it's really just parenting with an elephant on your back. Absolutely. That's that's, that's what she said. That's exactly my experience. And he is a narcissist. He, so, I mean, he, everything you're describing to me, I'm like, wow. I mean, but now I need to know, is it his last name or your last name that you currently have? It's his. Well, I you got that. Get, you got it. I got it. That's the one well, thing you know I got. What? We still got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I got the last name. I was like, I just need to know. Yeah. And so now I'm dating. And how long ago was the divorce? We separated almost four years ago. And the divorce was final a year ago. Wow. It took a long time. And even still talking about, it, I can see that like it's still hard to talk about. It is. But I have to say, the second he walked out the door, the cloud lifted. Oh, my God. I felt free. Everything. I was a totally different person. I was I was back to being me. Yeah. So many years of just doing what you felt like you had to do. Right. Because I felt so trapped. So not only that, but I had to learn how to do everything. I had to log into the bank account. So do you think because you'd been through so much pain during the relationship that the breakup was less oh, painful? It wasn't painful at all. Because as soon as I got done. the words out, I was so done that as soon as I got the words out, I mean, I had already grieved it all. I really had. You'd been grieving for 17 years. <laughs> Yeah, like, it was a long breakup. <laughs> it took you that long to get there, but that's a long time. Pass the sugar. I want a divorce. <laughs> seems like a good plan. I need to meet that friend. Well, not bad. I know. And we learned today you have to know your worth and not be afraid to sit at the table and eat dinner alone. And I've Googled right? like how to get yeah. over a breakup, like maybe like 982 times. And I just am so sick of like, love yourself. But we learned like steps that you can take. Right. Right. She had some good stuff also that it's like 
a drug withdrawal. So it's like you got to give it a minute. You have to remember that that feeling isn't that you need to be back with that person. That feeling is actually you're going through withdrawal. Right. And when you think about it like that, it's like a little easier. easier. It is, isn't it? So sorry. (laughs) We're up. My alarm's telling me it's time to break up. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. I, like I still can't believe the conscious uncoupling I, lady I was either. here. And we didn't okay. know. That so- we didn't even know when she said it. And I was about to be like, <laughs> you know, say a Teddy type comment. I was like, good thing I didn't. Sometimes you listen to your gut. I oh. asked her if she still believed in marriage because I wanted to ask her so badly if Gwyneth and the new husband have moved into a house yet. Because they, didn't they, get- yeah, right. they, they did. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how I missed that. I think because I'm so stuck on them living in separate houses for a year that they live together now. God, I respect Gwyneth. I love every weird thing she does so much. Like the fact that she's just like, I don't care. I'm going to live in two separate houses. I think that could work. It did work. (laughs) Apparently it worked, but in the end, they ended up moving in together. They wanted to give the kids some time. And I'm not making this up. I saw her give an interview. I'm like, are you in in Gwyneth close? Um, I wish. (laughs) If I could be best friends with her, I'd be stoked. I want to be best friends with Gwyneth Paltrow. Great. Can you get me on Goop? Thanks. Jennifer Garner. I think that chick is awesome, too. Oh, my my BFF want is um, Drew Barrymore. Mm. Oh, Oh, she's a good one. Yeah. I think I think we could be BFFs. And then maybe. I just worship my Oprah, but whatever. <laughs> um, people should email us, Teddy, because next week we're going to talk about infertility, getting pregnant later in life, uh, getting pregnant on your own, like sperm donor, um, all kinds Miscarriages. of... Miscarriages. Not having kids at all. Mm-hmm. Like all the topics that surround women and... And honestly, I spent so many years of my life struggling with and... I can't imagine talk not talking about this topic because so many of us struggle alone with it that please any questions you have I am going to be an open book I'm also going to bring in professionals that can help us understand and also help us get through it email us at teddyt at iheartradio.com or hit teddy up on our Instagram thank you thanks for listening subscribe to teddy teapot on iheartradio or wherever you listen to podcasts Staying consistent is hard, but it's important if you want to see results. Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies right now, and they're one of the only brands that are committed to your health. They only use the cleanest and purest ingredients in their formulas. No seed oils, no preservatives or toxins. Let me walk you through my morning routine. I wake up, make my coffee, and then make sure to fill my water with Symbiotica Pure Hydration before my early morning workout. They source the best ingredients from all around the world. And I've loved every supplement I've tried so far. What's even better is that Symbiotica makes it a breeze to stay on track. With a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. Ready to feel the results? Head over to Symbiotica.com and use code POD for 15% off your subscription order. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring, well, The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu.
The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zin 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.